I would say the, the skill that's lacking in people is learning how to reconcile two ideas that are both true, right? At the same time, got, uh, yes, I, I, I want to play and I also don't want to play, right? I have reasons why I really want to play right now. I have reasons why I really don't want to play right now, right? And so people who cannot kind of understand that like both things can be true and I get to make a decision and, and move forward off of that uh, really suffer greatly because no matter what happens, they, they feel bad. Hi, it's Runchix. The following is our conversation with mindset and performance coach Jason Sue, the author of Poker with Presence. You can find the link to his book in the description. We talked about how living in the presence can help guide you through the ups and downs of the game, why it is the missing piece in the field of mindset work, and some of the best ways for you to start feeling more centered and get in the zone as often as possible. There were a lot of big takeaways for me in this one. As always, I'll share them with you in my newsletter, so make sure to subscribe to it on Runchex Podcast. That's R-U-N-C-H-U-K-S podcast.com. And remember to check out the timestamps in the description if you want to jump around the topics. And now, I hope you'll enjoy this conversation with Jason Soup. Jason, uh, thank you for making the time. Uh, it's right around this beautiful period uh, between Christmas and New Year when we're recording this. Uh, so I'm, I'm quite looking forward to this one. Mm, yeah, thanks for having me, man. It was, uh, it was nice to get your invitation. Mm, yeah, because, you know, a lot of people, a lot of least listeners mm, reached out to me at some point and uh, said that they, they would want to um, have you on the show. And yeah, I'm quite fascinated about your work. And I think the timing couldn't be better because, you know, a lot of people are making their new New Year resolutions, new commitments, and uh, looking for new ways to improve their life. And uh, the work that you're doing, I think it could be very useful to a lot of people to find mm. um, to find their path, to find to improve the quality of their life in in some way. So yeah maybe let's start with just briefly let's talk about um your work what is it that you do um and then we'll take it from there because i've got a lot of questions <laughs> for you cool so my work focuses on showing the the clients how to get into a state of flow basically and I think there's a lot of people out there now who are working in like mindset coaching or mental game coaching. And, and that definitely happens in, in, you know, my sessions with my clients too. But my number one goal with my clients is to help them to connect inside out. And so it's to really show them how to feel that flow inside them, how to get into that state where time is kind of like moving nice and quickly and they're just having a really good time and they're not really anxious and worried about what's coming next, right? You can call that getting in the zone. You can call that getting in the flow, whatever you want to call it. Everybody's kind of felt it and you know it when you feel it. And, and so that's really my focus is getting people to connect with that on a reliable basis so that everything else from there just gets a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Okay. How did this become your uh, focus of work? Well, I've been playing poker since even before Moneymaker won, won the World Series. So I've been around like forever. And one of my main interests throughout the years of playing poker has always been, 
you know, how come sometimes when I played, especially early on when I didn't really know what I was doing the way that I would later, how come sometimes in those sessions, I would just be playing amazing and not really thinking and just be always making the perfect play at the perfect time. But most of the time that wasn't the case. Most of the time I was really just like thinking, thinking, thinking and struggling and nervous and anxious. Um, and so a lot of my interest was just how do I get that first scenario to happen a lot more often? Right. And so started going down the trail of reading books and talking to people and getting interested in this field, this study of performance psychology of, of flow. And that just kept going. And, and so here we are today. Okay. Right. Um, so, okay. How do we achieve the state of flow then? <laughs> Very interesting. If there's, I, I guess there's no quick solution. There's uh, no magic pill, but uh, I'm there's curious. no, there's no like one size fits all, but, but I do find that for each person, there's something that works better than, you know, it would work for the person next to you. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think that for each person, the way to feel flow and to step into it is to try a bunch of different things and see which one, you know, more consistently puts you into that place where you feel calm and relaxed, but still focused and able to like perform at really high levels for long periods of time. Right. So mm -hmm. you can kind of like just try out a bunch of things and you'll know when you're there and you can kind of go back and see, you know, okay, this one works better than that one. But for me, my belief is that the, the overall model that I follow is that the way to get into flow is to connect your brain to the rest of your body. So what we've got in terms of what's going on in the world these days that I see is that everybody's just living here in their brain and trying to figure it out, figure it out, try harder. Right. And, and that's the approach is a head centric approach to, mm -hmm. to kind of trying to get where you want to go. And what gets left out of that is all of this, everything else in the body and the nervous system, right? All of this evolution that has wired in lots of knowledge into our entire nervous system that can inform us about what possibilities might exist that we can't just get to when we're only using our brain, right? And so for me, the, the goal, I think, for everyone to get into flow should be to connect more to your whole body, your whole nervous system, rather than just trying to figure it out in your mind. Mm -hmm. Well, every journey starts with one step. Hmm. Uh, what would be the first step? Just take a breath and, and see, um, and see what happens right inside you there. That really is just like the literal first step is, is people, people don't breathe properly, uh, as a whole. Um, most people breathe too shallow. Most people hold their breath when they're anxious, when they're nervous. Most people don't remember that their brain needs a lot of oxygen. <laughs> so that, that would be the, like the literal first step. But, you know, in terms of like a more, um, more on the energetic intentional level, um, yeah, as you're thinking about like what you want to have happen, what you want to create or improve on in this coming period of time, see if you can breathe with it and really tune into the, the sensations and the actual like feeling inside of all of you, not just your mind as you're doing so. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, do you think there is something specific to poker players um, here? Because you, well, 
the, the way I see it, we probably have at least a couple of things here that influence who we are. Because anybody who's who's played poker for a long time, they they're molded uh, into something one way or another, right? Because we are dealing with a lot of what a lot of people would consider um, stressful decisions yeah. um, throughout the day. So we sort of numb down to them a bit, but it's unlikely that they completely sort of don't like we don't it's unlikely that we don't feel anything at all. It's just we sort of suppress these emotions <laughs> one way or another. Yeah. And I mean some yeah. people are are very good at uh mm. just um well very good at breaking their computer mice and uh, their monitors <laughs> and, and stuff like that. So they have a natural outlet. For their emotions there and mm. uh, the more reasonable people uh, usually manage to avoid any sort of damage of that uh, but that's probably one thing and also just the nature of of the work it's high intensity it's whether you're playing live or you're playing online it's not really close human connection in any way so it's a sort of environment where Probably a lot of things happen where we don't um, have have a chance to to connect with ourselves and to to express our emotions uh, too much. And so maybe that's that's something that influences this this need for exploring yourself, connecting to yourself. Yeah, I think you nail it. It's it's a lonely game, right? No matter who you surround yourself with, and whether you have coaches or you're coaching people or you're in a, a stable and you have, and you have a, a nice community of people who are like rooting for you, no matter how much of that you build up at, at the end of the day, you're kind of all alone when you're, when you're losing lots of money and, and people can, can love you and support you and, and tell you that they feel for you. But at the end of the day, it really is just you experiencing that that level of pain frustration right and and so yeah there's that and then there's this very age old idea that you know in poker you're not supposed to feel your feelings right and that you're supposed to just like keep it level keep it on the level don't don't let yourself feel because that's going to make you play bad and that leads to a lot of unhealthy you know build up in life that, you know, even, even the person who you deemed reasonable at some point when they push it down long enough and enough stuff piles up, they become unreasonable somewhere, some way, right? Whether it's, uh, you know, blowing off their whole bankroll in one session because it's just like too much or, or if they like snap at your family, right? Um, you know, in somewhere, some way it's going to have to come out. And, and so you're just really like making sacrifices on one end to kind of like pay the other. Uh, and it's all based on this idea that like feeling your feelings is somehow going to make you less than you would be if you didn't. Right. And, and what I've experienced uh, both in myself and everyone I've worked with people I'm closest to is that the more that you can flow with your feelings, like, like you're surfing a wave rather than, you know, pretending it's not there or stuffing it down. Um, the more you ride that wave, the easier it gets to just experience your emotions and still remain a highly functional human being. And in many cases, um, function at even higher levels because emotions 
at the core, our energy, right? It's if you have a big feeling of anger or sadness or fear, it's a big wave of energy that's coming through your body, coming through your nervous system. That's where it's originating. And so if you stuff it down, you are actively using more energy to suppress energy, right? But if you really can get to a place where you can flow with it, ride that wave, now that energy is yours and you can use it, redirect it towards even deeper levels of focus, you know, higher levels of performance that you wouldn't otherwise achieve. So this whole model of like suppressing everything so that you can play your best is, is backwards. It leads to a lot of personal issues um, and it's just wrong. So um, that's kind of where I stand on all that. Right. So how would you advise somebody to, to try to connect to their emotions? Like let, let's imagine a, a situation where you just suffered a horrible bad beat, right? And at your your brain is telling you it's fine. It's okay. <laughs> you yeah. should uh, not be pissed at all. Um, and if you sort of start digging into your emotions, you, you'd, you'd experience something that, you know, mm -hmm. you might be starting to suppress mm -hmm. or otherwise. So how would you recommend of just recognizing in game, for example, when, you need to listen to yourself. You need to mm. take this breath. Um, how to go about it? The yeah, like what you said is exactly what everybody does, right? It's like, oh, it's fine. It's it's fine. Got the money in good. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, you say that enough times, you sound like a crazy person. Um, and uh, like, what is the problem? Is that we go straight here into the mind, right? We go straight to the words. It's fine. It's fine. We go straight into the logic. That's oh, good. It's good. And, and if you want to become a person who is, uh, what you call like emotionally intelligent, emotionally congruent, right? A person who's always like current with the feelings, then what you're going to have to do is to kind of like break through that pattern interrupt that pattern of always going straight into the words, the logic, right? And so mm -hmm. to learn how to experience yourself without words, right? Whether it's to experience yourself through breath or through feeling your sensations or to just acknowledging like, oh, that is anger. This, this heat that's building up in my, in my body right now, the reason why I'm sweating is because I feel angry, right? And scared. Um, that's, that's the other thing is that um, most people don't recognize how much fear that they are running on uh, throughout their whole life playing poker. Um, they think it's just all anger, but quite often anger that's coding a lot of fear around, mm. you know, everything that all the fears we have as poker players. Right. You know what? I want to ask you about your personal journey of mm. how, because you said you've been practicing what you do for nine years or something mm. like that, right? So how was your journey? How, how did you start and what was your progress along the way? What are the, some of the bigger stepping stones? What are the things that you discovered for yourself? So I had a therapist when I lived in Austin, Texas many years ago. And, and she had trained with the people I ended up eventually training with, uh, Kathleen and Gay Hendricks. 
And, and so I, I gained a lot of just eye-opening ideas, new ideas about like life and happiness and connection and presence and play, um, working, doing, getting introduced to that work in those first few years. And, and so that was the beginning of me starting to understand that like my own relationship with poker could be different because up until then, up until around that kind of Black Friday-ish area uh, when I was mostly playing online, you know, poker was pretty stressful. It was, it was always pretty like anxious and, and always just like, always every day, just being like, please not today. And you know, that's, that's always like this big joke that I would have with my friends is like every day or just like, yeah, please not today. Right. And, and, and that was, that was my life for, for quite a while. And so it wasn't that I had like a big breakdown or anything like that, but I just slowly lost my enjoyment of playing poker because I was relating it, relating to it in that way. And so, you know, around black Friday took that up as an opportunity to have some time off to travel. Right. And, and when I came back to the States, it was like, okay, like this is actually how I'm interested in living. Right. These are the tools that I know have proven to show me I can create some more flow and presence in my relationships in my life. Why not, introduce them to my poker game so that I can actually have a healthy relationship with poker that feels good, that feels enjoyable, that feels like every day I'm excited to play. And so that kind of became my project more so than winning money, which, you know, ended up going quite well as well. But my whole goal with poker from that point on became, how can I make sure that I, I really, really just continue to grow my love for playing for showing up for getting better each day and do so in a way that feels good to me inside, you know, when I go to bed each night. And so I made that my priority. And, and as a result, the money ended up showing up just, just fine as well. But I think that that's where my journey really changed in my relationship with the game was when my priorities shifted from like, you know, no matter what, I just have to get as much money as possible to, no, no matter what, I need to feel a connection to the game. Kind of like that reminds me of when I was, you know, at the beginning when every day was like, oh, I'm learning so much and I'm growing so much and I'm excited to play each day. And even if I am getting smashed, you know, I'm still at some level having a good time. Right. And, and so that's where the big shift came for me. Hmm. It, it's very true that this is a much better goal than just making the money because you know if you're always going through the roller coaster of emotions and uh, mm. just this stressful washing machine kind of experience doesn't matter how much money you make it's yeah. still pretty miserable um yeah yeah i think people tell themselves oh like once i have a million the bank or once I have, once I have this big of a bankroll, uh, I'll be happy. Right. Mm -hmm. But you got there by living under one specific model of like stressing yourself and pushing yourself. There's no way you're going to stop doing that once you get there. Right. Mm -hmm. Because that's what got you there. And that's the only thing that, you know. Yeah. And that's the thing. If your if your life is out of balance on your way there, Obviously, it's not just going to miraculously yeah. become imbalanced, yeah. right? And and also, like, 
for those people who actually think that their life is going to change once they once they hit this magic number, whatever that number is for them, um, what do they expect to happen? Like, what what exactly is is like where is going to be the difference? Like, say you make a million, so what is what is different? Nothing, right? Yeah, and yeah. yeah. And it also goes, like, I sometimes start thinking about it in terms of my own career. Mm. When I made, especially early on, so many bad decisions in terms of my health. Mm. Um, well, compared to some other poker players, I didn't do all that bad decisions. But, like, my decisions were mostly just like, okay, sleep is going to just, mm. uh, sleep is secondary. I, I can just do these crazy... 24-hour, 32-hour sessions uh, on a day, well, not daily basis, but regular basis. Mm. And I'm absolutely fine flying from one time zone to another, um, like big shifts, you know, like we're talking eight, 10-hour shifts. Uh, I'm totally fine doing it like twice a month um, for for like six months in a row. And, you know, obviously the older you get, the the more tall it takes and the more you start feeling it. But, you know, thinking back at it, I was like, was it really worth it? Even even back back when I, I didn't feel uh, that it's actually bad for me. And yeah, so why, why I went here is just, you know, physically it's much easier to see um, just how what is the cost of our of our bad decisions of all, and our imbalance in life whereas emotionally it's it's much harder to to recognize that you know what the fact that you're not um at peace with yourself when playing and when the fact that you're not really enjoying every day and finding the way to enjoy um the game it's costing you one way or another yeah i think that the more you know disconnected we get then then the harder it gets to see but once you start kind of increasing back your level of connection to yourself it's to me quite as obvious as anything physical right so what were some of the biggest um aha moments for yourself what can you think back in terms of like emotions, presence. What are what are we talking here? Yeah, because you you've described your journey of you you mm. realize that you could apply the same um, ideas that mm. you're you're talking with people outside of poker field and apply them to poker and make mm-hmm. your career um, mm. uh, different in a way that you can connect to the game, enjoy the game mm. uh, better. So, what were some of the moments where you were like, oh, okay? So this is happening. I didn't expect it to happen. And, hmm. uh... I think there was, there was one day in particular where I was playing poker out here in Colorado. We were playing uh, 30, 60 limit holding and just got smashed uh, that day. I think I lost like eight, nine K in like not even that long, six, seven hours. There's a maniac at the table and every, every pot was just huge and didn't win a single one. But I remember driving home that day and feeling just completely happy because not only had I like not gone on tilt, but I'd actually played like probably amazing poker for, you know, my standards and, and found that like, yeah, I probably would have lost like substantially more, um, you know, years past. And, and so like to have like a genuine feeling of 
happiness driving home from the casino after, you know, one of the bigger losses you could experience in a game of those mm -hmm. stakes uh, was, I was not expecting that. Honestly, I was expecting, you know, the usual pain, wretched feeling. Oh my God. Like what, what was that? That, that just sucked. But it was, it was actually pretty cool to feel not, not trying to feel that just having this experience of like, I feel happy. And, and that's also like, well, that's strange, <laughs> but, but we'll definitely take it. And so I could definitely feel that my relationship with the game had definitely shifted priorities once, once, uh, you know, that went down. Mm. Interesting. So I can imagine the same thing is happening also on a smaller level, like mm. within a session, mm. some, some bad beats some bad decisions. Um, you're sort of more equipped to deal with them. Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I think, um, I think they're, they're correlated, right? So the more that you are able to feel your feelings of like the sadness, the anger, the fear, right? Those are the, those are the three kind of like monsters under the bed that we're always mm -hmm. trying to like suppress, especially poker players. The more that you're in tune with those and just experiencing them as they're happening, then, you know, the, the aftermath, you actually have room to like feel other feelings emerge, right? Because now you don't have to spend the two hours or two days or I don't even know, sometimes two weeks after particularly terrible runs of just wallowing in your experience of anger, sadness, and fear, right? Because you've already kind of like filtered and flowed through all of those experiences while they were happening. And so now you can just go back to like actually just being yourself after the session, which is a quite a nice benefit if, if you're a mm -hmm. poker player. What are the most common problems that you see your, um, your students, the people that you work with uh, suffer? I would say not understanding how much fear they're running on would be, would be the main one. Like when you're, when you're scared, everything is scary, right? That's, that's kind of like the way it goes. When you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. When you're, when you're scared, everything is scary. Right. And so, when you are running on fear and adrenaline as like the way that you keep going forward and you, and the way that you keep getting yourself to do stuff, um, you know, that is going to be a big handicap long-term for you. And, and so I would say that's like just the number one thing, emotions in general. Yes. But fear specifically, uh, the number one emotion that people aren't quite really recognizing as it's happening. And, and so I would say that's, that's the number one thing. Um, you know, everybody kind of has their own flavor of stuff from the past that is influencing the way that they're, you know, behaving and performing now. And, and so I would say another kind of core skill that, that I like to make sure everybody has before they finish working with me is, is the ability to really just understand as a feeling, right? Again, we want to, differentiate the thought of like, okay, well, that was me then versus like, this is, this is me now. And they don't have to necessarily, you know, be the same thing. Right. That's, that's one thing that you can kind of internalize as a thought, which isn't actually going to create any real change versus when you can start to open up to the feeling of this idea being true inside all of you, then you actually can start to resolve these old issues, these old habits that come up from time to time. 
Mm. So speaking of fear, um, what are the types of fear that we most often overlook? So, you know, everybody knows about fight or flight, right? So those are, those are the two common ones that everybody kind of understands from modern, you know, lexicon of people talking about fear, fighting when you try to fight your way through the fear, uh, flight when you, when you run away, right? Whether, you, whether it's uh, folding too much or quitting a session too early, wanting to lock up the win and all of a sudden, you know, you're up five binds, but now you're up three and, and all of a sudden it becomes very convenient to like want to have lunch, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's the flight response. And uh, the other two that uh, lesser talked about would be uh, freezing, right? Uh, kind of um, when you literally just are frozen in, in your body, which, which creates that kind of effect of your mind being locked up as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then fainting would be the other one where, uh, your, your, your body is still there, but your mind has vacated and you can't even like come up with a thought, um, because it's all just, you know, you're fainted. And, and so those are the four fierce signatures that people uh, exhibit out in the world, poker and not poker. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, the key is to be able to understand like, and, and notice, you know, what your patterns are have more of an awareness of like when you're going into them and then have a reliable way to kind of shift out. Hmm. Interesting. And I, I'm immediately thinking about some examples because like the term in, in terms of freezing, uh, it hmm. sounds to me like that's something that happens very often when we face a very uncomfortable decisions for ourselves in poker, especially hmm. like we're facing um, a decision for a lot of money. an amount of money when what we're not comfortable with Mm. um that freezing happens quite Mm -hmm. quite often i think i've Mm -hmm. I've experienced it myself and uh, multiple times and even i catch myself um getting that feeling when you're jumping into a very high game after a Mm. a bigger break in the high game Mm -hmm. right I happen to recognize that feeling very quickly and just yeah. sort of uh, laugh about it internally and get, get back to making proper decisions. But it seems to be a natural response to an uncomfortable situation. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we all just are taking care of ourselves in the, in the way that we know how to take care of ourselves, right? To survive as a species, that's, that's how these patterns formed. So they're not going away anytime soon, um, even though we are all mostly safe from, you know, uh, life dangers. Mm-hmm. These these sensations, these modes of fear, are still going to crop up, you know, when we are experiencing things that are even not life threatening, but um, you know, maybe our our poker life feels threatened. Right. So what should one do uh, to deal with the fear? In a micro setting, and let's say mm-hmm. in, in within a poker game. So yeah. let's not talk about the, mm-hmm. and we will talk about it later because I'm interested about you know some mm-hmm. of the other fears that we're dealing with in in general, right? But within a game, within a, within your one session, how can one deal with this? Because obviously, this fear can be, um, well, can make us play worse can make us uh, make worse decisions function at a mm-hmm. lower level and um, so yeah what what should one do 
So, so again, it's all about like pattern interruption, right? So when we, when we go into our fear patterns, whether it's fight, flee, faint, or freeze, uh, we tend to try to think our way, resolve our way out of it, you know, analytically, right? And, and that's going to be a problem because that's how we got here in the first place. Mm-hmm. And so, so it's, it's just the same, same old pattern playing out again, just on a micro scale. And, and so what, what needs to be done is to interrupt that pattern uh, through some sort of body-centered awareness, whether it's through just like, you know, taking some breaths, whether it's letting your body move a little bit, change your posture, Right, change your physical positioning um, to to really start to feel more located, more connected, uh, brain to body, and you know there's there's lots of different exercises that that can be done, different different body movements uh, that you can use specifically to to kind of like melt that fear, um, and and really like it doesn't matter which one you use, just so much that you can recognize when it's happening and lean into connecting to body rather than, okay, I'll figure out oh, how do I get out of this? Right. So less, um, less important, like the, what you do and the more of just like how you do it, which in this case, are you going to favor connection to your body or are you going to favor, um, more trying to figure out in your mind? Right. So mm-hmm. that's the key shift point. Okay. How do you recognize that, you're experiencing fear because obviously in, in the setting of a, a poker game, we don't mm. feel it as fear. We're not all of a sudden scared of something mm. in, a, in a typical sense. So how can you recognize that that's what you're dealing with? The number one way I do this with my clients is have them exaggerate their fear kind of habits and signatures with me and then they can feel definitively the the adrenaline that is you know the fear response comes with adrenaline right that's that's how you can notice that you are in a fear response is you feel adrenalized that heightened awareness that little bit of like drama entering into your thoughts right and so uh what i do is i train people how to recognize the adrenaline Right. And then, and then to locate that adrenaline and say, okay, oh, I'm in a, I'm in a fear response right now. And then, you know, where do I go from here? What happens for most people is that they've become so attuned or so accustomed to feeling adrenalinized, whether it's from poker or watching the news or, you know, having drama in their relationships, whatever, uh, the world has gotten so used to having like low, steady drip of adrenaline going through their system that it doesn't even register anymore as like a fear response, right? It just registers as like, this is just normal life. This is just how my life experience is. And so with my clients, what I always want to do is show them like, no, this is not like the natural state that human beings are supposed to live in, right? You're not supposed to always be in a state of like low level hum of fear and adrenaline. That's something that's supposed to only show up when you think you're about to die, right? And so just learning to train yourself to, to recognize, oh, I feel it a little bit right now. That that little sensation kind of coming down from the top of my head into into my veins, into the blood. I feel it, right? And and really, just like the tiniest amount of adrenaline can really pump up your entire nervous system to a heightened fear response in a, in a short amount of time. 
So just recognizing that pattern is already the first step to, to fixing yeah. the problem, right? Mm -hmm. Because, all right. What about the fears on like a bigger picture? Mm. Specifically, like the fear of failure, mm. which we oftentimes experience, or the fear of success, which is mm. also a thing, which inhibits us sometimes to achieve um well to achieve things on on a longer time frame right where we are especially with the fear of failure you know it's just um fear of looking stupid so not not making that bluff because you don't mm. want to to feel stupid uh or the fear of failure in a sense that okay i don't want to lose that extra buy-in so i'm just gonna make uh, a passive play or i'm gonna make the le least variance play even though it might not be the best mm. um so what about those how how should we deal with these because these are just irrational mm. fears in a way yeah it's to me it's all the same right like whether it's in the micro scale in that moment or it's on on the larger scale i think that we do ourselves a disservice when we when we try to like label why we feel scared because that's going to be a projection that's going to be a story not 100% truth it could be 99.9% truth but if it's not 100 you can't build your life you can't build your experience you can't build your plan of action around it and feel very solid right and so what you can get to is like i feel scared that's a hundred percent true. You, I feel it in my body, right? I notice it as a sensation. Maybe I have butterflies in my stomach or I feel tight, right? Or I feel angry or I feel sad. Um, those are experiences that are 100% true that nobody could ever argue with you with. Um, mm -hmm. If you said, I feel scared because I don't want to fail at poker. Now you're labeling. Now you're going into um, a little bit less of being that solidly completely true. And, and so I would advise people to get less oriented towards labeling the fear and trying to explain to ourselves why it, why it's happening right because that's going back into our head right and instead when we notice that it's happening just to learn how to sit with it and experience that sensation of what it is to feel scared right what what does it mean to feel scared in your body and and really like notice how you experience that what does it what does it mean to feel happy right? Um, in your body, right? The energy is completely different when you feel happy versus scared versus angry versus sad. And, and so if you want to become a person who can flow with your feelings, first, you need to become a person who can recognize those feelings, you know, as they're happening in your nervous system, right? And then from there, you can really acknowledge them as being true and then um, kind of decide what you want to do next. But, but that's presence, right? Is that, mm. that moment of just fully acknowledging and experiencing your experience as truth before deciding what you, what you do next. That's, that's adding this like layer of presence that creates decisions, creates processes, creates plans for you that when you go and do them now, you're not going to regret them later, right? Mm -hmm. Regret is what happens when you chose without feeling that level of flow and presence. Mm. 
And speaking of presence, right? We obviously, let's say we, we get to a session, but we're experiencing something in, in our life, something that preoccupies mm. us. And that is more, more often than not, I would assume, because there's <laughs> yeah. always something happening, yeah. right? Mm. How to, like, what's your approach? Do we try to actively switch the other things off or just mm. by in by the nature of being present to where you are and connected with yourself, uh, sort of all other things uh, fade away and you're just focused on what's, what's important, what's uh, in front of you? I think a good uh, warming up mechanism is to have something that allows you to acknowledge, you know, all of these things are going on in your life. Yes, this is what's happening. And, uh, and I choose to be playing poker right now. Right. And, and so a lot of people have a kind of a victim relationship with the game of poker where it's like, Oh, I have to play. Oh, I got, I got to No, I got to go grind. Even though this thing's happening, I'd, I'd love to do this with you, but I got, I got to go put my hours in. Right. And, and so to have that sort of like victim relationship mentality around playing really doesn't do you any favors when things don't go well, right? Because now you're like, oh, I wish I hadn't played. Oh, stupid, right? And I shouldn't have played. I knew I shouldn't have played. But when you start your session with this real acknowledgement of like, yeah, um, not everything's perfect in my life right now, right? This is going on and that's going on. And I noticed that like, it's got some of my attention, but can I create some kind of flow internally here right now that allows me to acknowledge all that it's hap- is happening. And yes, I very much choose to play right now for whatever reason. It doesn't matter what the reason is why you want to mm-hmm. play. You just you know want to play. And, and so when you can have that, that's going to really, um, it's not going to like shut your mind off to everything else, but it will at least give you something that you can build on you know, going into your session that feels like a more solid foundation, right? A lot less shaky, a lot less prone to having the whole thing crumble as soon as you lose your first flip or, or whatever is going to happen, you know? Mm. Yeah, and that's what you just said about, you know, a lot of people just saying, well, no, I got to play. I got to play. I just have to do it, et cetera, et cetera. And then experiencing the regret in game and just focusing on that that happens so often i've seen it i've experienced it myself early on in my career and i've seen so many friends have the same thought pattern and 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 people that i work with what's your advice on that because well first of all there's two things that i see which are at the root of that problem right mm-hmm. first of all is when do we decide to play and why Right. And, and second, how to make a decision that um, even though we wanted to play for eight hours or whatever, you got to go now, you're going to stop <laughs> because, uh, you know, because that's not an easy decision to make. We're too accustomed to pushing ourselves through it. Right. Because mm. it, it feels like, well, I'm not a quitter. I'm not just going to mm. leave because I don't feel like it. Right. Because mm. then I'm, I'll be leaving a lot of sessions. Mm. So, yeah, how how do you look at, at these two things? Like, first of all, when do we start the sessions, and why do we start the sessions? Because yeah. again, a lot of people are just mindlessly. I'm a poker player, so playing is what I do, and that's where the thinking process stops, mm. right? Yeah, 
say that like logistics and scheduling is going to be different for everyone, right? So many people cannot thrive under stringent schedules and, and outlines and, and other people really, really need them. So that I would leave to everyone, you know, to feel out on their own. But the, if we're looking at like the context of, of what you're talking about here, I would say the, the skill that's lacking in people is learning how to reconcile two ideas that are both true, right? At the same time, got, uh, yes, I, I, I want to play and I also don't want to play, right? I have reasons why I really want to play right now. I have reasons why I really don't want to play right now, right? And so people who cannot kind of understand that like both things can be true and I get to make a decision and, and move forward off of that uh, really suffer greatly because no matter what happens, they, they feel bad, right? Mm-hmm. Because they, they're like, oh, I didn't honor the other part of it. Uh, even if I win a little bit, it's like, oh, but I also, I kind of feel bad because I like didn't go to this other thing that I was thinking about, right? And, and then so the only, the only acceptable outcome becomes like a huge win, which, which doesn't happen that often, right? And, and so you're really setting yourself up for a life of great unhappiness and discontent because the only time you're really pleased with your decision is when you like win way more than, than you're supposed to. Right. And even then there's still this feeling of like a little bit of emptiness. And, and so what really needs to happen is that people need to get more comfortable with opposing ideas, both being true. Right. This is the problem um, out there in the world too. You're talking about like politics and you're, you know, you're either all the way here, you're all the way here now in the world. Right. That's, that's what we've got going on here in America. And, and, and so there's, there needs, we need more subtlety. We need more ability to capture nuance. We need more of this skill of just acknowledging, yes, this, and also this. Um, and again, not just in our minds, right? But, but having that wired in as a deep acceptance through our nervous system, through our bodies. And, and from there, you know, we can choose, right? I acknowledge, I want to play right now and I don't, and I'm, I'm choosing to play right now. And from there, now we've created a framework where you feel this acceptance and you feel this choice of yes inside you um, on an energetic, on an intentional level. And, you know, the results will be the results and you're much more, you know, oriented to accept them fully and, and just be with it. And, and when you go into a session like that, of course, you're going to be much more likely to play your best, right? And not crumble as soon as things start to not go your way. Right. Yeah. This is a very interesting, uh, very interesting idea. Um, and also like, cause you, you've said that the only acceptable outcome is a huge win. <laughs> yeah. But at, at the same time, like if you do that other thing, instead of playing, say you go, yeah. you know, for the dinner with friends, you most yeah. likely still sitting there yeah. having some one regrets huge. <laughs> and, and thinking like, ah, oh, man, you know, I should have been doing that. So you're, yeah. You're neither there nor there. You're not yeah. enjoying uh, anything really. And it yeah. seems like I know I've been in situation like this many a time, and I've, I've felt yeah. exactly that way of mid-session thinking yeah. like oh, I should have should have have dinner. You know, it should have yeah. been doing that, or or <laughs> vice versa, just just being somewhere else, thinking yeah. that ah, you know what, I shouldn't be doing this. So okay, so. If there is a situation where both ideas are true, mm. I want to play mm. and I want to do the other thing so I don't want to play. Mm-hmm. 
how do we go about it? Because you said make a decision and and be comfortable with that decision. Hmm. But I can imagine that the feelings would creep up of like, hmm. ah, you didn't make the right decision. Yeah. Yeah. And and just to add to that experience of being out to the dinner with friends or or, or choosing family time, right? When when you're still uh like questioning your decision to to play or not. Uh, nobody, nobody likes hanging out with the poker player who wishes he was playing poker, oh, yeah. right? Or nobody, nobody, nobody <laughs> wants to hang out with the poker player who's thinking about poker when they're when they're hanging out, because yeah, they're not they're not really getting um, the level of connection and interaction with you that that they deserve, right? Mm. And so if you're going to give somebody your time, they really need to get all of you, all of you that that they know and love um, in that interaction. Otherwise, it's just not just not worth it. And, and so the, the way that I lead uh, people through this process of, of learning how to, you know, deeply acknowledge both ideas of being true is again, using, using the body first, right? And so using, using the body to lead this idea that like, oh yes, um, you know, this is true. Uh, I want to play and and I don't, right? And so letting letting the body really guide that activity, that movement, um, so that the body uh, will start to become informed and start to like deeply internalize that like both things are true and I have a choice, right? And, you know, whatever I choose is whatever I'm going to be doing and um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be fully more available um, as I do it. How to make how to make sure if we can make sure that mm. we don't get um, those feelings creep, creeping up, you know, of that you know what I actually think I made the bad choice. <laughs> I should have done the other thing, but now it's a bit too late, so it sucks. Yeah, you can't stop that, right? That's that's good. You can just assume that that's going to happen, you know, at some point. Maybe not like every time, right? But we're human, right? It's not, it's not a thing where like you eliminate it completely. That's, I think that's the common misconception that people have of like presence and flows. Like, Oh, once I know how to do it, like I'll be fixed. I never have like negative thoughts again. I'll never, I'll never have like regrets. I'll never second guess myself again. No, you're going to second guess yourself all the time. Right. And so, but instead of operating from a framework of like, Oh shoot, that means I messed up can you come at it from a place of like, Oh, okay. Like this is just another thing to play with. This is just another thing to presence, uh, right here, right now. Can I come to grips once again? Um, can I rem remind myself internally in my body? Can I feel that connection one more time here right now of, yes, I want to be playing. And I also don't, I want to play and I don't. And so it's, it's not about like making sure that you never have you know, the negative thoughts or the regret or that experience. It's about like when it comes, do you have the skill level? Have you practiced? Um, have you immersed in these tools enough to where this is the way you lean toward is connection and playing with it and presencing rather than going into the hole of your thoughts of like, oh, I did it wrong. I must have messed up somehow. Oh, I should have done the other thing. Um, there are, there's always choice points and, and, and life is ripe with opportunities to, to choose. Right. So what is the aspirational sort of day? How does it look like? 
for somebody <laughs> who is who's in tune with themselves and and trying to feel everything because uh, like i imagine my day just looking at it and just, mostly it's just a blur of autopiloting through through the routines that i have and then the occasional yeah. spark of okay this is something mm. creative that i'm working on uh, so that requires mm. my my being there right but for yeah. the most part it's just you know mm. rolling through the same um beat down track sort of mm. Mm. yeah I'll, I'll again kind of leave the the what to to each individual right but but i i'm a firm believer that like no matter what you're doing you can learn how to relate to it in a way that feels really good to you in a way that feels kind of exciting in a way that feels like you're growing at it you know each time that you do it and and so it doesn't matter like what your occupation is it doesn't matter what you're doing if you can create connection inside yourself you can create you know this presence and flow and doing whatever you're doing you can have a really good time and so if we're talking about like what i would consider the ideal day that i could help my clients to create it would be that you know whatever they're doing they're enjoying it that they are fully immersed in it that they're really there whoever they're spending time with they are fully there and available and fully themselves right and that which with whatever work they're choosing to do that they're really bringing their unique gifts and capabilities and perspectives and you know abilities to perform into that activity right you can kind of make anything your own and make it fun and interesting if if that's what you want to do mm. and what about self-talk the ever-present mm. voice in our heads that's mm. sort of how how do we where does it fit are we talking about like um any self talk i'm not affirmations talking about, or negative stuff or? no i'm just i'm just talking about you know the person sitting in our brain talking <laughs> right cuz i would imagine if you start connecting to yourself physically you also mm. connect more to what you're thinking mm. yeah i find that it's a lot quieter upstairs in, in my world these days than it used to be. Um, and, and obviously there's still plenty of, of thoughts and, and thinking, um, you know, this, this idea, like you said, you know, we're not used to being bored anymore. We always, you know, go to the next thing. Um, I find that like, you know, when I'm just by myself and daydreaming or thinking, uh, you know, quite, quite often a lot of my best, my best ideas come out of that. And, and so, quite enjoy that if, if we're talking about kind of a you know self-talk in terms of like self-blame self-criticism or or trying to figure it out um yeah if that's if that's a real big pattern in your life then um that's just something that you learned you know growing up probably was socialized into you through family or close friends you know at, at a young age and if it can be learned it can be unlearned as well and so what generally happens is that the mind is going to follow the body, not the other way around. That's, that's how I view everything. And so if you're having, you know, negative thoughts, you know, critis, criticism, self-criticism and blame inside you, tense, nervous, anxious thoughts, it's very likely that if you checked in with your body in that moment, you would be experiencing your body as very like tense, nervous, um, you know, anxious. 
And, and so that if you want to really release from that and let your mind relax and kind of alter your experience of the way that your mind is talking to you, then the best thing that I could prescribe would be to just take some time to, to feel more connected and to feel that, that flow and presence inside you. And so that's, that's what's going to allow the mind to relax. You've mentioned several times that mind follows the body. Hmm. Um, what would be some tips and tricks that you found work for yourself and others? Well, it's not really a, a trick, but but if you but if you really have like a solid foundation of I'm going to take care of my body and I'm going to make sure that my body feels good. You know, in, in the myriad of ways that you could do so, whether it's you know eating a little better or or exercising or or doing you know some activity that feels good to you, right? Like dancing, um, moving in some way. Um, if if you can make that into like a primary commitment in your life, that you know I want I want to feel good in my body all the time. That's very important to me, right? A lot of people kind of bypass that. They don't really they don't really have that as a main priority. It's like, oh, I want to feel really, really good in my body all the time. Mm. Well, the more that you can kind of make that a base level foundational aspect of your life, then, then the more your mind is just going to relax into also feeling really good. And if your mind feels good, your body feels good, you're not going to go to that dark place at the same frequency, um, at the same level of intensity that you that you are when your body feels kind of crappy when your mind kind of feels kind of crappy right because it's all connected and and so your experience is connected to how you are feeling internally so for me if you want to go to like the very deepest root of it you can just make a commitment to yourself of you know it's really important to me to feel good in my body and, and start there hmm. yeah it's true not a lot of people set it as their goal. Yeah. Yeah. They say like, oh, I want to lose weight, right? Or, oh, I want to uh, eat healthier, right? I want to have this level of body fat. Uh, I want to have this be my BMI, right? But rarely do I hear somebody say, I want to feel really good in my body, right? You can see people who are like somewhat overweight, but who are, you know, feeling good in their body and they're going to be much happier and much more productive than the person who's like completely shredded, but is like torturing themselves to get there and, and not having like a pleasurable experience inside themselves to like get whatever it is that they're going for. Right. They're going for a certain look or a certain number, but really it's the feeling that is going to allow you to have a different relationship with yourself. Mm. Yeah, and it's also like this relationship between the external motivation and internal mm -hmm. motivation and, and what yeah. truly um, makes the habit stick and mm -hmm. uh, what truly makes makes us achieve things. Because same same thing in poker. If, if your sole biggest motivator is just the number go up kind of thing and, and mm -hmm. trying to, to reach the high score and yeah. that's the only thing that drives you, Mm -hmm. uh, it's 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 pretty hard to maintain um, the passion. Yeah, like eventually, it just the well runs dry, you know, and and so 
you can go deeper into, well, why, why do I want the number to go up? And if, if there's something uh, legitimate that is sustainable underneath there, then the number can keep going up for forever. Yeah. Right. But if it's not, if it's like, Oh, I want to, I want to prove to everyone, prove to that guy in high school who made fun of me that I'm better than him. That's, that's going to run out. You know? yeah. So, so, so kind of looking under there to see like, well, what is the, what is the feeling that I want to create? Right. That's the real, that's the real treasure. That's the real fuel source. That's going to allow you to, to keep going and actually reach the, the external goals that you set out for yourself. Mm. Jason, what do you think um, is specific to professional poker players? Right, because obviously, being in this profession, mm. um, the profession has quite an impact on who we become or who we are. And obviously, you know, a certain type of people get into it in the first place, but then some of the traits and some of the habits mm. get exaggerated over time. What are your observations about, like, what is specific to the poker players? Well, for me, it was always about, like, the freedom, right, in the beginning. It was like, that was the big draw. Uh, strategy, yes, and loved competition, you know, couldn't compete athletically anymore after a certain age at a high level, but could still compete at poker. But, but really, like, when it came down to, you know, I finished university, um, do I want to like go find work? And it's like, no. <laughs> and, and the reason why is because of the freedom, right? Because I get to choose um, when I play, how I play, what game I want to play, where I want to go. Do I want to like go to Vegas? Do I want to play live? Do I want to play online? It's, it's all up to me, right? And so, so that I think is the main draw. I don't know, maybe not as much nowadays. Um, I find that there's a lot more like, really studious hardworking folks out there especially in the online world but but for you know many people who are kind of more my age um it was always about the freedom right and and so that that was like good enough for a while as as a fuel source um but eventually like that that ran out right because there's nothing there's nothing like deeper underneath that of like well why what do i what do i want to do with the freedom why do i value it so much it was just like no i don't tell me what to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, so I think that's a very unique aspect of the poker experience is getting to have like so much freedom and learning how to navigate that is a really complicated and valuable skill that once, once you are playing poker for a living and it's like, Oh, this is, this is what I do. And, and the whole day, every day is just wide open. How do you create a, a life where you are still enjoying that level of freedom and valuing it and really feeling calm and confident and connected about that uh, while still you, you know, doing what needs to be done while still finding something more about like why you love uh, doing what you do and feeling connected to that too, right? You kind of need to navigate both aspects of it because lots of people, myself included, you know, I've fallen into periods of my poker career where I, I got a little too volume oriented with my, with my mindset. Right. And, and then, so I kind of took away my own freedom, which, uh, I always need to feel that, that I always needed to feel that that was there in order to be playing at a really high level. 
right? The moment I kind of took my freedom away and said, oh, I got to play, you know, this many hands this month. I got to play this many hours this month. Then um, the, the fire was gone, right? And so I think for a lot of poker players, it's learning how to like navigate that balance between always feeling that you're completely free to do what you want while also making sure that you're you know, doing what needs to be done. Mm. Yeah, I can relate back to my experience of doing the Supernova Elite one year, uh, <laughs> yeah. which was the opposite of freedom for <laughs> yeah. a full year, uh, which is a memorable experience. You know, I look back at mm. that year and I, I think it, it did um, progress my career in, in, yeah. in many ways because I realized for myself things that I like and don't like about the game. Um, mm because I was forced to be in this sort of high volume environment to just go through it and uh, find different ways to motivate myself uh, to stick with it. Mm. Mm. But speaking of freedom, like one thing, many of us, especially back in the day, yeah, we got into this because there was this freedom that you can do whatever you want. Um, and then if we look at it, for the most part, we just ended up just playing poker, right? Or <laughs> talking about poker. Pretty much doesn't seem like we executed our, our rights to freedom, <laughs> right? We just sort of had the freedom somewhere on paper, but yeah. never really took took full advantage of it, right? Because, mm. I mean, obviously mm. some people did travel the world and they, yeah. you know, did um, acquire a lot of new hobbies and, and did what they wanted to do, but that's not most of us, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Because well, there's one thing having freedom, another thing executing freedom, and also, I suppose, with the experiences that we're having while exercising the freedom, coming back to our um, discussion earlier on when we were talking about you know, having these two conflicting thoughts which are both true, and so having regrets creeping, creep, creeping up uh, in your mind uh, that also uh, just reduces the quality of your of your freedom time and, and your experiences. Yeah, I'd say the the kind of like opposing point of freedom is, or maybe not opposing, but the the thing that kind of allows everything to work together, in my view, is is getting really skilled at choosing. Right. Mm -hmm. So freedom's great; it allows you to choose. But if you have all this freedom and you're not good at like choosing in a way that feels good to you and in choosing in a way that allows you to acknowledge, you know, all the possibilities and, and I want to do this and I don't, right? You're not good at that. Well, then the freedom almost becomes a burden, right? Because now, now, you're, now you're in spots where like every day you're paralyzed and no matter what you choose, you're a little bit unhappy, right? And so freedom without the ability to choose skillfully um, almost is like a net negative, actually is a net negative, right? Because at that point, you'd almost be better off having somebody just tell you, you have to do this and you have no choice in the matter, right? And, and so I would say that's like the number one way that, you know, skilled, talented poker players end up crashing out, burning. Yeah, that's very true. Because a lot of people just choose not to choose. Yeah. Specifically, for example, choose not to have holidays, which is yeah. kind of insane. You know, if you're going to do anything <laughs> for a few years in a row and, and you like uh, content with just having one and a half days off a month or something like that, yeah. you're, you're crazy. Yeah. 
Because I know a lot of my friends, um, and not only friends, it's like I know a lot of people who actually travel for a vacation. Mm-hmm. And first thing they do in the hotel is check the lobbies, check, and, <laughs> and not the hotel lobbies either, yeah, but yeah, just yeah. the online yeah. online poker yeah. lobbies, which is like, what are you doing? And I remember my first um, vacation when I started my career, really back in the day, and the first time when I actually went on a vacation as a professional poker player, it was a weird experience because you mm. you go there and you're thinking like, mm, first of all. <laughs> I probably should be playing because I'm making money. So if I'm not mm. playing, I'm not making money. So who's paying this for, for this vacation? Mm. Like, it doesn't feel feel good, and and all these thoughts coming coming in. Yeah, you it's know. it's funny because a lot of people are poker players just because they didn't want to get another job, right? That's that's mm. kind of how I started it. Is like, no, I just don't want to get a job. I you know, had plenty of success playing poker in college, um, you know, had plenty of money. I don't need to go find employment or anything like that. And so like, um, I guess I'm a poker player, right? So, so, so many people go into poker just because they don't want the other thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, so already you're starting out in this context of like, well, I didn't even really choose this because it makes me like happy and because I'm motivated and because it gives me fulfillment. Um, I, I kind of, I'm doing this because it's an anti-choice of the other thing of the nine to five of the, you know, having a job of working for somebody else. Mm-hmm. And so right off the bat, you're setting yourself up for like, no, now every day is going to resemble this in some way. It was like, Oh, what do I want to do? Do I want to play? Do I want to do this? Well, you know, you're already in this kind of context, this box of like, I didn't choose. So of course, every day is going to kind of play out in that same way. Yeah. And even on a larger scale, when we get used to not choosing, we end up not choosing to change our careers. Mm -hmm. You end up playing for whatever, how many years without ever making a a decision of, you know what, it's time to move on to another profession or in much simpler terms, just switch a game, right? Because how (laughs) many people are just, they started with Hold'em and they are still playing (laughs) Hold'em and they have really no excuse not to have tried Mm. other games, especially Mm. considering that, you know, at various times in, in the recent years, different games been at the top in terms of profitability, Mm. right? And it's for the last many years, it's very rarely No Limit Hold'em, which is the game up there at the top, yet it is still the most popular, right? And it's, I mean, it's obviously easier to stick with what you know, and it's scary to try to get into something new. And also the factor of the sunk cost, because many of us feel like, oh, I invested so much time so much time into studying this specific variant of poker or whatever it is that I've studied. I'm not going to leave it now because, well, what about all the all the time and money that I spent on it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I, you're preaching to the choir. I, I picked up mixed games like six years ago and mm. uh, only wish I had started sooner, right? <laughs> um, because yeah. not, not just is it like way more fun to play like anything but no limit hold them. But, uh, but yeah, games are quite nice as well. Um, and I think that what I've seen with lots of people who, who really like chose to play poker, 
right? Rather than like just the anti-choice of like not having another job. Those people tend to have a much easier transition from leaving No Limit Hold'em, right? Because they chose poker for a very specific reason, whether it's like, oh, I want to like earn lots of money or I want to, you know, provide for my family or I want to just get really, really good and enjoy uh, this aspect of playing poker. I want all of those things to be true. And once they recognize that like one of those boxes isn't getting checked, like this is not the most profitable path, they have a much easier time to like, you know, find the resources to do what needs to be done to make that switch to PLO or mixed games or, you know, turn whatever. Right. And it's the people who kind of like started off that, like, Oh, I guess this is what I'm up to that end up being like, Oh, this is, I guess this is what I'm already good at. Right. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're, it's, it's all about context, right? How do you relate to the game? How do you relate to your choices? And when you do it in this way, well then like, this is how you're just going to like live your whole life. Right. And you end up, um, everything's going to be that way. You're going to have friends that you don't really like hanging out with. You're like, Oh, we've, I haven't known him for 10 years. And I'm going to guess <laughs> this is just going to be a thing. Right. Um, and, and that's just how your whole life's going to end up turning out. Yeah. It's also interesting to think about poker as a profession because it's a relatively young profession still. Like we don't have too many people who retired after like 50 years of playing poker, right? I mean, there, there are some on the list, but for the most part, you know, we don't have, um, you know, poker players the same as, let's say, I don't know, tailors or doctors or something, been the yeah. doctor all their life mm -hmm. and retired after 60 years or something. And I'm just, yeah, I don't know how, how it's going to play out because it seems like a lot of people are in the pattern of, you know what? I'm a poker player. There's nothing else uh, for me out there. I'm just mm. just doing this. And there are obviously a lot of people who are open-minded to other opportunities and do end up going somewhere else into trading yeah. or into some other field uh, that mm. they're passionate about. And also, both ideas can be true, right? You yeah. can be still a poker player and you mm -hmm. can be a businessman or an investor yeah. or whatever it is that you want to do. Yeah. I, I personally think there's like three outcomes of being a, a poker player. So one is that you, uh, you know, either go broke and do something else or burn out and go do something else, right? Uh, two, you just, you never retire, right? Like Doyle's just going to play till he's dead, right? Because um, well, he just loves weird it. if he quits at some point. Yeah, like, like, what's he going to do? <laughs> what's he going to do? Is he like, oh yeah, I'm not playing poker anymore, guys. I'm just going to like sit home and watch TV. No, no, like poker, playing poker is like his favorite thing in the world. He's going to do it every day till he literally can't do it anymore. So poker players who play forever probably just like never retire. You're just like an older poker player, right? <laughs> and, uh, and then the third one is, yeah, you eventually... Um, choose choose something else. Even if you are doing really well, you you see a new door opening up that appeals to you, and you kind of dip your toe in, and you say, "Hey, like, what what about this?" And then maybe you start making that shift of your balance of weight of time, right? Into um, oh, now I'm mostly playing poker, and I got this going on the side, and then oh, the side thing's going really well, and now it's about fifty fifty, and then now oh, this is all I do now, right? And and so I would say that most people will just fall into door number one where eventually uh, burn out and do something else or go broke, do something else. That's probably 
5% of people who play poker for a living. I don't know what you think about that, but that would be my estimate. Um, I guess it probably is a fair estimate considering yeah. how many people play poker, right? Because yeah. if we look at the elite poker players and in the elite, I would even count the successful mid-stakes players because mm -hmm. these, these people yeah. are, are hugely successful and, and most of them have... Uh, really good hard work ethic etc etc mm -hmm. right so uh, the elite in this case is not only the the select few at the very very top mm. you know but still yeah. majority yeah i agree that at some point they 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 would either burn out or due to bad decision making go broke or or something like that but burnout is not limited to just um the least successful players, right? Because, you know, no, no. Ba basically the, the weaker players can go broke easily. Um, mm. The more elite players are unlikely to go broke unless they, mm. they are degens in some way. <laughs> but even the most successful poker players can get into the habit and, and get into, well, basically burnout. Even the yeah. most successful can, can easily yeah. get themselves in that position. So let's talk about that a bit. I would say that um, the guys who are like doing really well and burn out, they just come back though, right? They might say that like, I'm going to go start this business. And then they just, they just come back later because they know they're elite poker players and there's always mm -hmm. money um, mm -hmm. waiting for them on that side. Right. And, and so like, yeah. if we, if we talk about like how many people uh, are not burned out and are just like doing pretty well at poker, let's not even like amazing. Let's just say like, you know, 75 K, uh, a year uh, and are like, you know, overall feeling like reasonably happy in their life. How many of those people walk away uh, close to zero? Right. Mm. Yeah. That I, yeah, I don't know. It's a tricky one. What do you, think? <laughs> I, I don't know anybody in my life who's ever done that. Right. Everybody. I mean, I'm 37, so I've been around a long time. I've known a lot of people. I can think of, uh, zero of my friends i've i guess i've heard of like a couple guys like i mean back in like 2007 i guess like mm -hmm. jason strasser went to work at a hedge fund but that's like one person um that i've ever heard of who was like doing well and seemed to be like you know pretty healthy relationship with the game who like walked away to go do something else i'm sure there are others mm -hmm. but so few and far between compared to people who um just you know had to quit right yeah, I guess percentage-wise, it's it's a pretty small, uh, pretty small group. Especially like if, if one of the parameters is the, the person is actually gen reasonably happy with what they're doing, mm -hmm. right? So it's not yeah. like they went away because they got fed up with the game, or yeah. you know, because in in that aspect, a lot of names come up, right? Yeah, somebody yeah. who's actually happy with what they're doing and decide to quit. Well, one name definitely comes up. Uh, the I just recorded a podcast episode with uh, Raul Gonzalez. Is his screen name on Poker Stars? Oh, nice. One of, the one triple of the, draw guy. The triple draw guy. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the guy, right? Yeah. Uh, he retired. Nice. So he and he, I know him personally, and he is a happy chap, right? <laughs> he's nice. a happy person. Yeah, yeah. He loves what he's doing, and uh, he retired. And I mean, obviously, as 
you know, retired in poker, I mean, where do you draw the line? It's like a mm. musician retiring, right? So yeah, what, yeah. you're not allowed to sing. So anymore. you play <laughs> twice a week. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. You know, it's still, it still might happen if the game pops up. Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't be surprised to see him at the tables, but he's not going to yeah. uh, hold the lobbies for, you know, right. the whole year or whatever. But yeah, it's, uh, it's not a huge group of people who, but because also it's, it's pretty hard to retire uh, from, let's say, mild success. Let's say mm-hmm. you're making 75K. Yeah. It's pretty hard to retire because, let's face it, it's, it's hard for you to find another profession quickly where you can make the same type of money. Yeah. And yet you're most likely don't have life-changing money. You don't have the yeah. so-called fuck you money just yet. Yeah. Right? You can't just uh, walk away from anything and just dip your toe yeah. in, in any any old field. Right? So that's probably a limiting factor as well because I would su- suppose like if um, financial security was more mm. readily available for some of these people that they would have quit. Right? That's what that's what they tell you, right? Um, and then many of them quit, and then a year later, what are they doing? They're they're playing poker again, right. right? And and so it's it's just a story that people tell themselves to make themselves you know feel better about um, what's what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. But it it's like even if you are you know, in that 75 to hundred K, you don't have fuck you money, but you know, it's, it's going okay. You can still learn a new skill, right? You can learn how to copyright. You can mm-hmm. learn how to do sales. You can learn how to do marketing. You can learn how to uh, create some service that other people want, right? There, you're not playing poker 24 hours a day, right? And so I think that it's very healthy for everyone, no matter like where they are in their poker path to begin to explore, you know, even if it's just like coaching poker, right. That's at least something else besides playing poker that can, that can earn you money. And, and so like to have playing poker be the only thing you've got going on is really not acknowledging the truth of the profession, which is that almost nobody makes it to the end. Right. And, and to think that like, oh yeah, I'm going to be the one that makes it to the end is like, yeah, maybe you are, but statistically you're probably not. And not because you're not good. Right. But just because like the game really takes toll on you over like decades. And, and if you're not somebody who, if you're somebody who's like push constantly pushing the feelings away, which is almost everybody. And you know, poker players don't get health benefits and you want to have a family. It's a lot different playing poker when you're a single guy versus when you've got, you know, a family, right? Uh, things change. And and so it's just an acknowledgement that like, yeah, things change. And as you get older, you might want something a little more stable, a little less emotionally demoralizing on such a regular basis, right? It's not because you're not good enough. Plenty good. If you can make 75K, 100K, you're playing poker right now, you're really good right? You're really good at at least certain aspects of it. And, and so it's not about that, right? It's about like just understanding what happens when somebody plays poker for a very long time. Mm. Yeah. And what you said about, you know, use your time to learn something, explore a different hobby or et cetera, Mm -hmm. et cetera. It's coming back to the freedom, 
right? We mm. we all have that yeah. freedom. We all are free yeah. to choose to do something, um, whatever we we choose to do. But very often we we don't because well, I don't even know why. I mean, probably because starting new things, getting into these things sounds great on paper, <laughs> but it doesn't feel that good when when you actually mm. go for it. Yeah, that's one of the the things about. Uh, I guess like you, you could call it like fast money, like poker is like fast money, mm-hmm. right? Where, where it just feels so easy and appealing when it's, when it's going well. Right. And, and it's like, Oh no, I don't want to do like the, the kind of slog of like learning this new skill because uh, the money's just going so well. Right. But you get into that fast money mentality and, and nothing else is like good enough for you to be worthy of your time to learn then then it becomes a problem when you're like oh wait i'm not i'm not running as good i, I would it would be great if i had then then you hear poker players say oh it'd be great if i had something else i could go into right now but it's like you needed to think about that when when things were going well right. to prepare for this situation now you don't you don't just get to like snap your fingers when you're running bad and say okay i don't want this life anymore right you need to start thinking about these things kind of strike when the iron's hot when you have some flexibility, some financial flexibility to start investing some time, some money mm-hmm. into thinking about what else might be possible for you. Right, right. But it's always hard to strike the balance there because from one perspective, you have this pressure to play more and study more. You're doing good, you can do even better. You see the results of your studies, of your hard work. You want to work even harder. Because let's let's get more. Let's you know, and let's strike while the iron is hot in the field of like I'm making money. So let's let's keep making money, yeah. right? So it's it's very often hard for people to find the <clears throat> resilience to just say, well, you know what? I'm also going to dedicate um, a couple mm-hmm. hours to this, and that's probably not even going to work. Because if you have to make commitments to yourself in such a way that okay, mm-hmm. like two hours a day, I'm going to spend on uh, on uh, on this thing. It's already probably not approaching it from the right, uh, yeah, right end. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really know how many poker players have like some other business that they say in the back of their mind. Oh, I'd like, I'd like to, you know, do this someday. Um, probably quite a few. I, I don't know how many poker players are just like, no, I'm never, I'm not interested in anything else for the rest of my life. If they fall into that bucket, sure, go ahead and just go all the way in, right? If you genuinely have no thoughts or interest about like what else might be possible for you, mm-hmm. I guess this is this is your life, right? And cool, no problem there. But so many people I've talked to, especially now that I'm a bit older and it's, you know, we're not 21 running around anymore and just being like, yeah, that's great. Um, you know, everybody tends to have this thing that's like, oh, I've been thinking about this. Oh, I've been wanting to write this book or I've been wanting to, you know, do this or that. And 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 so for those people, yeah, you should you should you know put something put something put some skin in the game to explore that aspect of yourself. Even if it doesn't turn into a full time thing, you will create more happiness around having given yourself the ability to explore this this creative urge or or this other you know aspect of yourself that that's not getting to come out so much. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And also working on the mental game, you know, and, and I don't mean only mental game in poker sense, but, you know, working on, on being present, you know, working on what your, your work is all, all about. It seems like 
such an obviously good thing for poker players to at least try to explore you know because very often i mean we don't we don't know if it's for us if the timing is right because not not everything is um you know let's let's take a simple example of meditation Mm. maybe you recognize meditation is uh, something you want to do but it doesn't fit in your current life and maybe in a few years it will you know and at least as poker players we have the freedom to to explore these things and to to try to learn um I mean, what is more useful than to try to to learn to to be more present and more connected with yourself, more happy about yourself? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I always wanted to follow the the trail that was going to make me the happiest. I, mean, I didn't I didn't care about money at the level that it was going to take to like go to the highest stakes. I just wanted to be like a happy guy with plenty of money to do whatever I wanted to do. And yeah, like finding presence, finding flow, finding connection really helps to kind of skip ahead to that happiness point where it's like most people say like, oh, I got to do this and this and this, and then I'll be happy, Mm -hmm. right? But really, if you just start to favor connection and presence and flow, you can just be happy, right? And then those things that you think you need to attain to get happiness will be a lot easier to get once mm-hmm. you are a person who feels completely comfortable just being you and you love yourself and you feel good about what you're up to in life. Things have a way of working out in your right. favor when that's the you know way that you're operating. Mm. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true about the you know, setting some constraints for what it what it's mm-hmm. gonna take to be happy instead of thinking mm-hmm. about like, um, okay, what does this happiness look like actually? Like, yeah. what when I'm gonna achieve these steps? What actually gonna make me happy? And mm-hmm. then oftentimes realizing that you know what, <laughs> I don't even need to achieve all these three or four or five steps. I can just yeah. I can just get uh, take the shortcut. Why not? Yeah, yeah. the The best example I can give is, you know being a single guy in my early twenties and, and thinking, Oh yeah, I'm, I'll be much happier once I have a girlfriend, right? Once I, mm-hmm. once I have like a partner who I, who I really love and, and not having this is creating like so much like unhappiness and emptiness in my life. And this is the reason why I'm unhappy, mm-hmm. but, but really like that wasn't true at all. Right now I'm 37, happily married, uh, love of my life. Right. And, and, I didn't find that until I was already like pretty happy with who I was and comfortable with that. Because of course the version of myself who is like kind of desperate and kind of like miserable and and kind of grasping, um, looking for the perfect, you know, relationship partner all the time. That's not very attractive, right? (laughs) People don't really like want to be with that person. But the person who's like pretty comfortable and just like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Life's, life's great. I love what I'm up to here. Um, well, now like people want to like hang out with you and people want to like get into that circle, right? And, and so that's how the super fulfilling relationship came to be was that I learned how to like be happy with what I had first. Yeah, right. And I can think about like a simple poker analogy which is 
probably useful for some people that now oftentimes we would think, oh, you know, I'm going to enjoy poker when I'm become a strong winning player, when I get <laughs> to keep winning all the time, right? So yeah. it's kind of looking at it from from a wrong perspective is the same as I'm going to be happy once I get the girlfriend instead of I'm going to mm. probably get a very nice girlfriend and uh, make a happy life for myself when I'm already be coming from mm-hmm. a place of happiness, right? Because yeah. with poker, if your ultimate goal is, you know, I'm only going to be happy when I'm going to start winning. Well, guess what? Even <laughs> as a winning player, you're going to have a lot of losing days. You're going to have yep. a lot of losing spells, right? Yeah. So even if you're a better place, down the road and uh, much better prepared to deal with these it's still going to make you unhappy if if that actually if you can't live with it if uh, if the process of playing and improving at poker is not enough for you uh it's a pretty bumpy ride yeah it's like that old saying everywhere you go there you are right? yeah. and um you know even you plug one hole another one's going to show up because that's just who you are and that's how you live your life. Yeah. Well, what about COVID? We completely glossed over the fact that we're living in a weird <laughs> time of a crazy pandemic. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, if if now, like when is a better time to try to get connected with yourself and... Uh, more happy internally because let's face it we, most of the time we spend is just with ourselves right <laughs> or a very close family whoever are the people that we live uh together with right so hmm. what would be some advice that you could give to people to get through this time or use this time to to their advantage it's kind of a hard question because a lot of people are are more extroverted, right? And and they they gain more feeling of connection and satisfaction and fulfillment from from being with other people. Mm-hmm. I happen to be a very big introvert and so like for me it's been no problem just being not seeing too many people. Uh, for nine months, I feel like I can keep going for quite a while longer, right? <laughs> right? Because I recharge from from solo time, from being by myself, mm-hmm. and and then that makes the interactions with other people more rich and feel better to me when I choose to do so, right? Um, and for other people, it's the reverse, right? Their solo time, their like personal time alone, feels better when they have grounded that in in being with other people. So, so to say that, like, yeah, it's the best time to like work on yourself and to f- and to like gain this perspective and to practice that is, is kind of unfair to people, I think, to who are more just just born the way they are born of being more extroverted and requiring, um, you know, being in the same physical space as other people to to really feel themselves growing into their full capacity. Right? And I really feel for for people who are, you know, extroverted and, and unable to connect with others right now. Um, for introverts, yeah, um, go go for it, right? Go get to it. But um, yeah, it's not it's not the same for everybody. So it's, it's a really like right. it's a really complicated subject, I think. But I guess like if we think about it, everybody's experiencing some sort of fear, some sort of anxiety uh, mm. because of this 
mm. both the introverts and the extroverts. Obviously, different triggers, uh, different scale, probably. Mm. But still, like getting into like recognizing connecting to your body probably uh, more useful than ever in in under these yeah. circumstances right because some of the extroverts i would assume uh, don't understand that they're experiencing anxiety because of specific um spe- specific things and they would just probably push it down and uh, hmm. you know, try to suppress it um yeah and that's never gonna end well yeah, feeling your feelings, feeling your your nervous system, increasing your capacity to breathe and feel good in your body. Uh, never, never a bad time for that. And and yeah, definitely now is is going to be an especially good time to really lean into that way of living, and and it and it's the type of thing that can really help you to process to move through all the heightened emotions all the fear and to really like get really current with everything so that there's no backlog you know even when we come out of this stage of this period of history which i don't know how long it's going to be but whenever it does happen right there's going to be a lot of that pent up emotion of energy that people were just kind of like sitting in and building and kind of packing in and it's going to come out in a lot of weird ways. That's my prediction. And so if you're out there listening and and you feel like, you know, you can kind of relate to, to that idea, then yeah, really good opportunity to just take some breaths and, and see if you can get in tune with, with yourself, your body, your connection to yourself. And even if it's just for like five seconds, right? Well, that's five seconds of presence that you've created that you weren't doing before. And, and that can grow, right? It's um, it just starts with, with one step, right? For, mm. for anybody who's ever like tried to lose a whole bunch of weight, um, which I did many years ago, uh, it just starts with one step, right? And it's not like, it doesn't, you don't get it all at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Speaking of taking that one breath, um, talk me through it. Let's take a breath and let's figure <laughs> let's out do what, what, are we, what are we focusing on? Let's do it. Let's do it together. Yeah, right? Um, How do you feel after taking one breath? Well, I immediately feel that I took probably the first conscious breath of the day. Mm. So it it put the focus on on something other than uh, Mm. whatever was happening in my mind before Mm. that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's all we can do, right? We can't change the whole thing right away, but we can interrupt the pattern with one breath anytime that we want to. Right. And so starting with that, Oh, I'm, I'm spiraling into negative thoughts. One breath. Give me one. Okay. Well now give me, give me three. Right. So now that's kind of like my go-to when I'm starting to feel kind of like riled up is I'll take three slow, deep connected breaths. Right. And in and out through the nose. And, and, you know, when I do that, it's like, okay, I was able, that will tend to take me from this narrow focus into a little bit of a wider perspective and able to, and to really feel a little bit better about, you know, 
more resourceful about what's going on. Mm. And, and, and the thing that happens when we don't take conscious breaths or take steps to feel more in connection is that our scope of what we see just gets more and more narrow and we feel more and more kind of trapped, blocked in, you know, nothing, nothing looks very good when you're, when you're inside of that and looking out. Mm. Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts now racing through my mind on on the topic, but I just want to point out that, you know, a simple thing, take a breath, take a conscious breath, sounds so simple that it's almost like, you know, well, it's naive. It can't be like, what's the use of that, right? <laughs> Yet, and this is in general quite true. We are sort of not programmed, but we tend to believe mm. that the simple things, um, they're not as good as the really complicated things. You know, yeah. if somebody tells you, you know what you need to do is you need to take uh, three breaths through your nose while not exhaling and then try to push it out through your ears. And that's going to, you know, that's the path to enlightenment. Mm. That sounds like, okay, yeah, that would require a lot of work. Mm and yeah. uh, would be uncomfortable. So mm. that must be the path. Um, yeah. 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 Or, um, you know, you want to get really good at PLO. What you need to do is buy Munker and a very expensive computer and, and start running Sims before you've ever played a hand, right? Instead <laughs> of um, hiring a coach to tell you proper preflop strategy, right? <laughs> you need to, you need to, uh, run all the sims right so that would be another example of that yeah 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 which is very often what people want to jump into hmm. in poker which is funny because like if you want to pick up golf you're unlikely to just go and buy the most expensive set of golf clubs and shop <laughs> right it would be yeah. insane like if you don't yeah, even take know. a lesson yeah yeah take a lesson go to a course yeah. uh, you know hit some balls hmm. um yeah yeah, yeah. yeah see if you like it Right. That's, that's kind of what I always tell people uh, if they're thinking about, you know, working with me or, or going down this path of like presence, right. It's like, well, just do it a little bit. See if you like it. Does it feel a little bit better? Do you feel a little bit more relaxed? Did it brighten your day in some way? Did you play a little bit better that one session where you remembered to breathe a little bit more often? Did you feel a little bit less stressed out afterwards? Were you more present? Your family? Did any of that happen? Did you like it? Would you like more? Well, then let's let's talk, right? But if you're like, if it's like, oh no, that didn't feel good at all. I hated it. Well, then by all means, please go on living your life the way you're living your life, right? Mm -hmm. Not here to, not here to like force convert anybody into doing things that don't feel good. It's like I have some ideas. I have some things that work really well for me. They've worked really well for all my clients and a lot of people that I know out in the world in all sorts of industries. If you want to try it, give it a shot. If it feels good, um, you know, you want to go deeper, we can go deeper too. Right. But it's, it's never like, Oh, you didn't like that. You, Oh, you were just doing it wrong. Let me show you how to do it. Mm -hmm. Right. No, I'm not, I'm not interested in that. Mm. Yeah. And you're touching upon another uh, interesting topic here of just the role of a coach a role of a mentor right because mm. very often like we seem to 
think that for the simple things, oh, I don't need a coach for that. <laughs> like, imagine like, what, what do you do? Yeah. I teach people to take a breath. Oh, come <laughs> on, get out of here, right? I, I don't need a coach for that, <laughs> which would be a you know response mm. from a lot of people and uh, mm. and same with poker like oh, mm. i don't need a coach for this you know i can get monker i can do it myself yeah. i can do it myself and in general like a lot of poker players have the mentality of i can do it myself mm. i know mm. i'm very guilty of that like uh, whatever you know i need to build a house yeah I, sure can do it can do it i i, I can't afford to pay somebody to do it but i just want to do yeah. it myself cuz i i yeah, can yeah yeah. Right? yeah very often not the case to be honest but yeah yeah yeah, it's um, to me, it's the most expensive mindset that people have, and and it's what prevents people from from moving up as fast as they could move up. Is they value their time, or they value uh, you know they value their money more than their time, right? So they say, oh, I would rather spend this amount of time trying to figure out you know what this guy would tell me in like one hour. Right, mm. uh, poker coaching, uh, ridiculously good deal for the students. Presuming the coach is uh, anywhere uh, near, you know, good level quality player, it's almost inconceivable that it could not be worth the price if somebody's charging by the hour. Right, uh, you get one thing and you have it for life. You know it forever. Right, and but more importantly, you you don't have to spend all the time figuring that out on your own. And now you can use that time to actually go and earn money, right? And then that money allows you to move up in stakes, which allows you to earn more money, which allows you to move up in stakes faster, right? The the thing that gets in the way is ego, right? I need to do it myself. I'm. It's not as big of an accomplishment if somebody just shows me how to do it. I'm going to love it much more if I do it myself, mm. which if that's your main goal in poker, again, totally fine. But for most people, that's not the main goal. The main goal is to make as much money as possible, right? And so if your main goal is to make as much money as possible, by far the easiest way is to just skip the line, skip the steps, skip all the pain and suffering that comes with figuring out strategies for yourself and testing them and seeing what went right and what went wrong and cataloging everything. Chances are, if you're not already at like very high stakes, they've already figured it out. And somebody can just tell you how to do it and you'll be a lot better like mm. an hour from now than you are right now. And yet everybody just resists that idea so much, right? Like right, right. In, in my work, it's, I guess, a little bit different because it's more of a feeling um, that I open people up to rather than like, oh, I'm just present forever now, <laughs> right? And so, and so it's, it's more of a training people how to like line up their tracks and how to, how to wire their brain to their nervous system in a way that they remember to do it when things get stressful. And, and, and so it's a little bit different, but, you know, either way, like people who don't have the mindset to invest in, getting where they want to go as fast as possible through money who want to just suffer and use their time instead when they can afford it. Just a huge mistake. That's definitely cost me probably like a million in my lifetime where, where uh, I knew people who were getting coaching in like 2007. And I was like, why do you need coaching? Mm. You just, this game is so easy. You just figure it out on your own. And, and then, and then like a year later in 2008, I was like, Oh no, I, they're all way better than me now. And, and I, and I lost that year when the games were amazing 
to compound my bankroll to, to, you know, be able to sit at super high stakes when I started learning how to play heads up and, and whatnot. And, and yeah, that, that really like, uh, set me back quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And especially like with, in the light of what we talked about previously, uh, mm. about the longevity that, you know, your life circumstances might change. So mm. you can't look at it that, okay, I have 50 years of poker ahead of me. Mm. You know, yeah. things might change. You might want to be out of the game at some point uh, or you want to take a prolonged yeah. break, etc. So very often time is of the essence. Um, and and make, making a choice of figuring things out yourself, spending a couple of years on that um, instead of just hiring a coach for a few sessions, yeah. it's, it's a stupid, stupid decision. Yeah. And I made the same mistake as you did early on yeah. of just you know having access to very, very successful poker players who were willing to to give private coaching and just shrugging it off by like, <laughs> nah, the game's too easy. I, I can do it myself. <laughs> and I do enjoy the process of figuring stuff out myself. Mm. So it was rewarding in a, in a way. But then, you know, if we put it on a scale, how much I enjoyed, <laughs> how much I enjoyed, you know, the process and... Uh, how much I enjoyed not not building uh, the bankroll as yeah. quickly as I could have, and not playing uh, yeah. at the level that I could have early on. Yeah, that's um, it's painful. And and you're one of the few who was good enough at figuring things out on your own to actually get those answers. I would say the majority of people are just not wired that way to like solve high level strategies on their own without anybody with them, right? Like that's just not a skill that like everybody has. And, and so like the majority of people who want to figure it out on their own, yeah, some actually do. And, and they, they're like, yeah, this is great. I'm glad I didn't hire a coach, but the majority, like, like myself, I'm, I'm like this, like I am not a natural at like solving games and solving strategies and, and figuring out, you know, new ideas on my own. But if you tell me something, I can internalize it very quickly and then add a layer of my own like intuition and, and well, what about this on top of that? Right. So you give me something high level, I can add on top of that and turn it into, you know, something else that feels really good on top, but Mm. figuring out that first few levels, not my thing. And, and so most people would probably like be a lot like me, um, who are just like, yeah, solving games and like figuring stuff out at the nuts and bolts level, not my biggest strength, right? And so those people, when they try to go solve the game, they don't even get to the answer of where they eventually um, are winning at higher stakes. They just like flame out. Mm. And that's a disaster. Yeah. Especially also like about, if we talk about poker coaching, right? Very often... It's just the one idea, the one gem of an idea, which is yeah. buried in this uh, muddy water of a lot of information that your coach is uh, mm-hmm. dropping on you. So just one idea can change the trajectory of your career big time, right? Yeah. And the coach very often doesn't even know which idea it, <laughs> it could be, right? Because, yeah. I mean, I, I obviously work with, with my students. Mm. Uh, in a way, I very often discover like, oh, you know what, this thing that's trivial to me, that's actually uh, a big change for them because Mm. you know they were not thinking in these terms so Mm -hmm. to get this understanding of hey hey, there's another way there's another depth Mm -hmm. to to the process here very often that's already transformative Mm -hmm. and also like 
with poker coaching, when you think about, okay, I'm going to hire a coach, very often you, you think in terms of what do I expect to get out of it? And because <laughs> we don't know what we don't know, yeah. very often it's really hard to put a finger on, uh, okay, the value is going to be in, in this and that and that. Very, very hard to put that. And very hard to accept that, you know what, maybe the bulk of the value, like 90, 80% of, of the value is going to come from something that the coach is just going to briefly mention and it's going to change everything for me, but he's not even going to notice <laughs> when he's saying that. And it's the same with everything. It's the same mm. with the work that you do because, yeah. you know, it might be, you might do 10 sessions with a student and there, there is specifically something in one of those sessions that is going to make a huge impact and, uh, yeah, and in unexpected ways very often as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm always amazed at, at how that works out in my, in my work is that people just, it just clicks. Like there's something in everybody's brain that needs to be unlocked for the concept, for the whole picture to kind of like click together. Right. And then once they hear it, it's like, Oh, now all these other things that I was struggling with kind of make sense now in this, in this context. Right. So you just never know what it's going to be. And, and quite often I'll just be talking in sessions and, quite often, like, like you asked how I approach my sessions, quite often I'll just open my mouth and start talking. I don't even really know what's going to come out. And, and sometimes I'll be like, oh man, that was amazing. Like, I can't believe I never thought of that before. Uh, can we write this down? And I was like, I don't even know what I just said, right? right. Because it was just, I was just kind of like streaming uh, my consciousness out there and, and happened to say the thing that kind of unlocked a lot of things that that person was mm. struggling with. And that's always a very cool moment to, to witness. Right. Right. And exactly, you know, it's clicking for them. Mm -hmm. You can't influence what is their context, right? You're coming from your context. You, you have your mm -hmm. background, you have your understanding. And, yeah. you know, in order for it to click for them, a lot of things need to line up mm -hmm. and it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's always, and it's, to be honest, in any form of coaching, it's always the same, mm -hmm. you know, be it poker, yeah. be it a mental game, be it uh, any, really anything that I can think of. Yeah. 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 When, in those instances where I, where I approach things with an agenda where I'm not fully, you know, present, which, which certainly does happen from time to time. And, and I try to like, tell them, Oh, I know this is definitely the thing in my mind. I'm like, this is definitely the thing that's going to like change their life. Never, never <laughs> works out that way. It's just, it's just like, oh, okay, move on. Right. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's just all the proof I always need to show is it's not about like necessarily what I'm saying. It's just something about that moment, the connection we have, the flow of the conversation, the way things are going, that is moving us towards, you know, what wants to happen, what wants to be said, that's going to put the whole picture together. And I have no idea what is no control. And so, you know, anytime I start to think that I do, I have a very quick reminder that it doesn't work that way. Right. Yeah. Cause it's even like the same, obviously with books, you might read the same book twice and you get completely mm -hmm. different takeaways because your context, your you're in mm -hmm. a different place. So it mm -hmm. sort of clicks in different ways. It connects with you in different mm -hmm. ways. Yeah. And I suppose in the line of work that you do, you 
guide people through the process of self-discovery and more, more than anything else, right? And, and that's where the value is. Because very often, you know, even if it's something as simple as take a breath and connect mm. with yourself, mm. if you don't have somebody that's going to ask you questions and, and ask you, okay, so guide me through what happened. Like, what, what was that? How did you feel, et cetera, et cetera. Very mm. often just having that conversation, just expressing yourself is enough. But it feels pretty weird to go stand in front of a mirror and have a conversation with yourself while thinking of of the next thing to ask yourself. Yeah, right? yeah. It's 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 my mentor. One of the th things that she said was, you know, people are not paying you for your knowledge; they're paying you for the full spectrum of your attention that you're giving them, um, so that they can discover the answers on their own about like filling in those gaps about like why they've been holding themselves back. It's not about you telling them, oh, you need to do this, you need to do that. It's about being with them and, and opening up space for them to relax enough and to feel connected enough to have that light bulb go off on their own, right? And that's, that's what I get paid for. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it, even in poker coaching, it's very much often the same it's that the feeling that people get hey i figured it out myself mm -hmm. which is beautiful to mm -hmm. to arrive at that place where things start clicking and because of something that the coach says mm -hmm. you figure things out yourself well that's amazing but a lot of people would would feel like ah it's crap why am i paying him because <laughs> i figured out myself right but then yeah. where do you draw the line right yeah it's um you know you you weren't gonna figure it out yourself because you haven't because you're, this is where you are, right? And so uh, that's that's where that trap falls into play. It's like, oh, I'll just figure it out myself. Oh, but but you're how long have you been playing and you haven't figured it out yourself? Oh, okay. Well, then why why is that going to change? Yeah, yeah, totally. I recently had an experience of uh, of hiring somebody as a coach for, um, well, just you know away from poker but like mental mm -hmm. mental game and and, and nice. stuff like that and uh after the first session you know it, it was he kind of read my mind and he said listen if you seem like really really happy in a happy place right now and like everything's going really great after our first conversation and you might be thinking that you don't need me anymore because now you fixed your life uh, in incredible ways and everything's just amazing but I just want to remind you that before our conversation, that was not the case. And I was like, oh, man, yeah, you kind of read my mind there. Sure, okay, that, that advice alone is, is worth the money. That's a good uh, client retention speech right there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you did a good job there. But yeah. he's very right. Yeah, because I did yeah. come to that follow-up session with an idea mm. of like, you know what? I actually just, that first conversation with you mm. sorted everything out for me because I'm like, I see the light now. I, I know the path, and I have the force with me. I'm I'm fine. I'm uh, I'm I'm on it. Um, mm. Which, in many ways, yeah, it's true. I mean, I just mm. I don't I don't need him, right? And yeah. yet I do because yeah. well, sure, I can do it myself. Yeah. But yeah, but at the same time, yeah, it's very useful to have yeah. somebody guide you through the process um, of whatever yeah. it is that you are trying to improve at. Yeah, that's the that's the tricky part is that like, yeah, like we're all going to survive without, you know, hiring coaches or getting support specific in these ways, but that's not really 
the best way to look at it. It's more like, you know, what's the, what's the fastest way to get to where I want to be? What's the, you know, what's the best way to feel completely supported in, in getting where I want to go. Right. Yeah. And, and does it feel good to support myself in this way and to invest myself in this way? And if it's, yeah, it felt really good. Then, then I'll keep going until I feel like, you know, Oh, this, this relationship feels more, more complete, right? Like I feel, oh, I feel ready to move on now rather than like, you know, oh, we're fixed. And then I don't need, don't need you anymore. Where it's like, oh I, yeah, I don't obviously don't need um, anything to like survive and to keep doing what I'm doing. But like, does, is, does it feel really good every time? Is, is it nice? Then, then yeah, let's, let's keep going. That's kind of how I approach it. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. Jason, listen, what, where can people find out more about you? And I'm definitely going to put links to your book because mm. that's, uh, that's been published. When was it published actually? It's, uh, May. In yeah, May. I finished yes, it it's, it's right in the beginning of COVID. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's good yeah. timing. <laughs> people, <laughs> yeah. people should have on paper, they should have more yeah. time to read books. Right? So, mm, yeah. 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 So, yeah we'll, that last we'll leave the that. links for that. And, uh, any other links as well, but what's your favorite place for people to reach out to you and follow? For sure. Yeah. Um, you can find me at pokerwithpresence.com. I send out a daily newsletter. If anybody is interested in, in hearing stuff like this, uh, every day for me, um, you can also learn more about my coaching program, how it all works over there. If you want to get the book poker with presence, you can get it on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. And I'll have all the links in the description. Um, is there anything else you want to leave the audience with today? Hmm. No, I feel like we covered, we covered a good amount of ground on this one. Yeah, we did. Um, I, I think so too. Yeah. I, I would just say that like follow the trail of feelings rather than thoughts. And, and, you know, whenever it is that you, you, you're not, having the experience that you think you should be having. Um, it's a very good likelihood that you are stuck in your head and that would be a really good time to take a breath or move your body, change your posture do something to connect back into yourself. Mm, that's beautiful. Whenever you're thinking, whenever you feel like you're not having an experience that you th- Ah, oh, shit, I can't rephrase it as beautifully <laughs> as you said. But, well, I guess I'm going to re-listen to it. That was the thing. That was the but, thing that clicked for you. See, that was, that was the yeah. one. That yeah, was yeah, the you one. know, because it, 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 yeah, yeah. I feel like I, I need to refresh my, my presence right now. And, <laughs> but yeah, Jason, listen, thank you so much for, mm-hmm. for finding the time. And uh, I really enjoyed the conversation. And um, um yeah, maybe maybe we'll follow this up uh, again. And anybody has any questions, they they should put them on the comment section uh, mm-hmm. wherever they're listening or watching this episode on. And uh, yeah, let's see let's see if uh, where that leads to. All right, thanks a lot for having me, man. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Check out the description, and of course, I'd highly appreciate if you subscribe, click like, spread the word about the podcast. Also, if you'd like to receive a regular newsletter with my key takeaways about each episode, go ahead and subscribe to it on runchexpodcast.com. That's R-U-N-C-H-U-K-S podcast.com. I write those myself. I take it seriously and I really enjoy the interaction with the readers. So I hope you'll sign up uh, and I'll be back for you next time. Thank you.